This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. There's a few things I want to do today, uh, just just in, in way of introduction, then I'm going to pray. Uh, the first thing is, uh, this series really practical. So if you don't have the uh, handout, I want to make sure everyone has a handout. If you're in your car and you don't have a handout, just go ahead and just give a little honk. We'll come uh, make sure to get you a handout. Uh, and if you need one in the tent, the ushers will get it for you uh, as well. So this will work. I got the scriptures in here as well. Um, so... And then the other thing I want to tell you is that every point has multiple action items. So if there's an action item that you that you come to and it's like, oh, you know, I should do that. I don't believe that's you. I don't believe that's me. I believe that's the Holy Spirit leading you uh, to do something as a result of James chapter 1. So we want to get really practical. I don't want to preach a message on being doers of the word and everyone to leave and say, What's, what am I supposed to do again? So we're going to be really practical today, uh, but foremost on our hearts, we want the Holy Spirit to lead us. Okay, so let's pray. God, I pray that you'd please uh, help us as we go to James 1. Would you please guide us? Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts. And Lord, we know that you speak to us through words that you've spoken to others, and specifically James. Lord, I pray that you'd please use this message. As you've used it in my life, and, and Lord, and as you've... Lord, just been opening so many uh, doors through through the counseling and the and the teaching through the book of James. I pray that you just continue to do your work your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, James, uh, we talked in our deeper look on Sunday afternoon, and if you want to uh, log on uh, to the Zoom, you can text our text number and we'll, we'll, we'll give you the link. But uh, in our deeper look last Sunday afternoon, we were talking about the fact that James... Is, is the English version of Jacob. So the reality, this is the book of Jacob, uh, Jesus' half-brother. We say he's a half-brother because Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I want, we, we talked about who James was and some of the background last week. So I want to dive right into James chapter 1, verse number 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. So many different types and different shades of temptations, different levels, as we talked about last week. Temptations are pressures, internal pressures. And knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. We've been going through some trying times. And uh, it's been trying for many different reasons. Some uh, financial, trying financial uh, times and trying uh, times with schedules and, and uh, health and all of the, the, the things we've been going through. But, he says, let patience have her perfect work. And, and notice the use of perfect, perfect work, that ye may be, what's the next word, perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Now, defeat seems inevitable uh, in life, but real victory is possible through the grace of God and the grace that he gives through his son. Now, I want to break down verse number four, because that's where we're going to end today. I want to begin where we're going to end. And I want to ask the question and kind of lean into the question, 
how can the Bible promise that we're going to be entire and perfect and wanting nothing when we feel like we're nothing close to perfect, we're always wanting something, and we're not as whole or, or healthy or complete as we would like others to believe that we are? So how can we, how is this even possible? Well, let me break down what it's saying about being perfect. So it says perfect, which is the Greek word teleos, which is complete. It means set for growth. We'll talk about that, uh, talking about progress and growth. Then it says entire. That's the uh, holy keros, which is where we get holistic medicine, okay? So holistic mindsets, okay? It's, it's health. So that's the first part. Uh, we have health. And, uh, and, and, and completion of growth. So one's talking about growth. The other's talking about health. And then the final one that we see here in this passage is wanting nothing. And that's the Medeus uh, lipo, which is the satisfied outcome. This, this outcome that brings us satisfaction, not only satisfaction internally, but externally. It's, it's a complete satisfaction. Now, how can we have victory uh, in our Christian life in, in the days in which we live? I want to just say something right out of the gate, and if you miss everything else I say, I want you to remember this, star this. I believe many Christians don't receive victory in their life or don't experience victory in their life because they're fighting battles that Jesus has already won. The reason why I say that is because there's so many things in my life that I'm fighting for when really... Jesus has already fought and won the battle. Now, let me illustrate it this way. When I was growing up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, there wasn't a whole lot to do, folks. Okay, it was Iowa. And so we would have these neighborhood uh, uh, hide-and-go-seek tournaments. You know, it sounds crazy, but that's, I don't know. It wasn't my idea, but it was fun. And uh, you would have all of the the neighbor kids and all the families get together. And sometimes it would be like parents versus kids and girls versus guys. And everyone would go hide, and then everyone would have to go out and try to find everyone. The last person to be found, obviously, won. One of the most frustrating things that would ever happen is if you found a really good hiding spot, you didn't want to come out prematurely. So you stay there. And there were a couple times, right, hiding on maybe a roof of a garage under some, you know, plants or trees or, you know, in, in some, you know, there were boundaries. You couldn't go in houses or, or things, but you could go anywhere that was visible in, in, in a certain boundary. And, I remember there were a couple times where I'm hiding there, starting to get dark, and I'm like, how long is this going to take for them to find me? And, and finally, it was frustrating to know that everyone had left, and, 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 and I was hiding in, in a game that was already done. That's frustrating. It was frustrating because I was trying to win a game that was already won. And that's what happens in our Christian life when we're trying harder and we're, we're just like, I just need to do better. We say these things to ourselves and we're trying so hard to have victory and it's just met with more and more defeat. And what's happening is we're trying to win in our own power a battle that Jesus has already won on the cross and through the resurrection of Christ. And so, so many Christians today, they're hiding and they're fighting to attempt <clears throat> to win a game that Jesus has already won. Could you give me some water? Jesus has already won. And so uh, there are three ways to guarantee victory in every life. You say, I don't look, it doesn't seem like I'm having victory. I mean, if Jesus already won, I don't feel like a winner. If Jesus gave us all the power, I don't feel like I'm winning. So what's, what's the disconnect? Where's the 
uh, where's the, the disconnect between having real victory and what I'm experiencing right now? And I want to give you these three because I believe uh, they're, they're in James chapter 1. And if I go over a verse quickly, it's because we're going to come back to that verse. As I said last week, James 1 is the table of contents for the book of James. So, so in the weeks to come, we're going to be going over these verses in James 1. So to have no fear, if we uh, skip over a verse quickly, I want to make sure uh, that you uh, know we're coming back to it for sure. All right, so, so James chapter 1, in verse 2 and 3, we see that we must be honest. Number one, we must be honest about our weakness. We must be honest about our weakness. All of us have weakness. We're, we're, we're living in a broken world. And real victory comes when we're willing to be honest about our faults and our failures, to be honest about the areas where, where we're just blowing it. And so a lot of people look at a pandemic like this, look at a trial, and they say, well, the pressures of life, they really just have multiplied my, my weakness. They've multiplied my weakness. And I just want to tell you that that's not how it works. Problems and pressures do not multiply your weakness. They just magnify your weakness. And, and we have to come back to what the Bible says when he says, count it all joy when you fall into these pressures. Because he says, the trying of your faith worketh patience. What's the word trying? It's the word for proving strength or highlighting weakness. So I want to highlight our weakness today before we get into how we can have victory. We have to understand what we're dealing with. Uh, what are the pressures? What are the results of the pressures in our life? A lot of people say, well, it's the devil. You know, the evil one. He's coming after me. I got a, black, I got a flat tire because of the devil. The devil the devil punctured my tire. You know, I'm not sure it was the devil. It might have been that, you know, uh, field you were driving through with all the, you know, sharp uh, objects. But then that's a real pressure. Certainly Satan tempts. But then we say, well, it's the world. It's the cultural influence. It's, it's my circumstances. That's why my pressure is. But you want to know something that I just, it just hit me so hard this week. Of all the times in James chapter 1, it mentions pressures and trials, tribulations, difficulties. You know the two things it does not mention? Look it up. James 1 does not mention the devil, and, the, and James 1 does not mention the world. Do you know why? Because God's already conquered the world, and God's already conquered the devil. We are more than conquerors, and we have victory, 1 John 1 says, because we are his children. So the same power that God has already conquered Satan and the world with, you have access to to conquer your sin, to conquer what's defeating you. And so we, we have this victory. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. What do I mean by that? Well, the devil is going to try to get you to focus on either outside circumstances or, you know, things that you can't change. I can't change this pandemic. If I could, I would, right? I can't change a lot of the things that are happening around me, but I can change what's happening inside me. And so this is what he says in verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, when he has this pressure to want to do something different than God's plan. I am tempted of God, for God, tempteth, uh, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man, every man and every woman is tempted when he 
or she is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And so we, ha- we are more than conquerors, but often we conquer ourselves. Often we are the ones that are defeating ourselves. We've been given the power to defeat sin, and many times we give in to sin, not realizing the power that's at our own disposal. So God's given us the victory, but we have to claim it. How do we do that? Well, first we have to understand our weakness. We have to be honest about our weakness. And in letter A under this point, I want you to notice that when we're honest about our weakness, we need to realize that pressure reveals weakness. Pressure reveals weakness. So this pressure, these internal temptations, what do they look like? Well, let's peel the curtain back, and I want to give you, I want to give you a breakdown because this text gives us a breakdown of what temptation looks like. Verse 15 says, and when lust, that's the desire to do something, could be wrong or right, but it's just a desire, a passion to move forward. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So oftentimes our desires lead to sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Let's break all, each of these words down. Uh, when lust has conceived, that's the word for becoming pregnant, obviously, but it's, it's, it's speaking of taking a thought and nurturing it. To, to collect the idea and, and to water that idea. It brings forth, this is the Greek word tikto, not to be confused with tiktok, okay? So it's, it's bringing forth uh, a reality. It's, it's giving birth to a reality. So you're having the thought, you're conceiving the thought, and it's bringing forth. You're wanting to bring that thought into reality. And many times that leads to sin. Harmatia is the Greek word. means failure or to miss the mark. And when sin is finished, apaleo, it's, it, it means to complete or be fully grown. So it's literally saying when sin grows up, it brings death. And the word death is really interesting. It's thanatos. It, it means the damage of separation, the fatal ending of, of, of a final ending. And it also is the exact same Greek word as a, as a deadly pestilence, a disease, which I think is interesting. So we have this this progression, these stages, and I've given them in your notes. The concept phase, you have an idea that's fed and watered. Then the indulgent phase, a thought that's turned into action. Then the destructive phase or the deconstructive phase, that's an action that's regretted. And by the way, I believe, we can talk about this more this afternoon, but I believe that this is referring to the sin of David because James is referencing, he's imaging the sin of David. David had a thought about Bathsheba. David watered that thought. David then took action and indulged on that thought. Then David sinned even greater. He regretted. He started to break everything down. Why? Because he regretted what he did. He, he felt guilt over what he did. And so weakness reveals is revealed through pressure. I believe that a great revival is coming to our land because there's a great pressure on our land. And we're noticing our weakness. We're noticing our faults. Those who are hanging on by a thread are just giving up and saying, I need Jesus. I need God. We've had tons listening on the radio. We've had tons uh, online and, and many just saying, I need some help right now. They're finally coming to the end of their own resources. And so letter B, revealed weakness, it then develops strength. He says, do not err, beloved brethren. The word air is this planeo. It, it's, it's the word for wandering. So don't wander from the truth. Don't be misguided or mistaken about what is really going on. And, and, and the reason why defeat uh, must be 
faced is until defeat is faced, true victory and real victory can't take place. It will never take place. This is why Jesus looked into the religious leaders of his day. And he he said, you want to kill me. Look this up in John 8, 40. I put in your notes. You want to kill me because I'm telling you the truth. It's it's not that you don't believe. It's that you know it's true and you don't want to admit it. And so we have to face our our weakness. Now, here's an action item I want to give you for this first point. It is that when faced with a weakness, instead of defending yourself this week or this uh, even today, acknowledge the weakness and ask for God's strength. Now, how do we acknowledge a weakness? We can write it down. We can share it with someone who's confronting us about a weakness. Just acknowledge the weakness. You know, in hiding our weaknesses, in hiding our sin, we actually do ourselves a disservice. We are actually creating our own problems. And so be honest about your weakness. Number two, real victory comes when we are willing to proactively defeat self-centeredness. Proactively defeat self-centeredness. How do we do this? Well, first we have to understand the the reasons that self-centeredness are so harmful. I want to give you these, and we're going to move through these rather quickly. We can talk about them this afternoon if you'd like, but there are three reasons for self-centeredness, the reasons that they're so harmful. Number one, self-centeredness always starts by subconsciously questioning the goodness of God. Uh, and the inside of my wedding ring uh, is, is the verse, James 1.17, that we, that we are about to read. That every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. Where there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. See, there's nothing shady about God. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing about God that, that would, we should doubt. Is he really being good because he's allowing this pandemic? Is he really being good if, if he allows me to lose my job? Is he, is he really being good? And that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to, to forget the goodness of God, to even doubt the goodness of God. So self-centeredness creeps in subconsciously when we are questioning the goodness of God. Then number two, self-centeredness fights for position. This is why the 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 writer of, of James, James, uh, the half-brother Jesus, talks about so much about anger and the tongue. Because when we are self-centered, we can't see our own self-centeredness. And so when someone encroaches upon our area that we feel like we're losing position, what do we have to do? We have to fight to keep that position. But I want you to notice verse 18, because verse 18 is actually the key to overcoming anger and frustration in our lives. It says, of his own will begot begot he us. So he birthed us from the will of God, the word of God, that we should be the first fruits of many creatures, of his creatures. So Jesus says, hey, the next time you're fighting and you're angry because you're losing position in an area, or, or someone is encroaching on your space, okay, or your lane here in L.A. County, okay, when, when, when you're just really wanting to have anger, remember your position in Jesus Christ. Remember the fact that you don't have to fight for that position. You're already accepted. You're already having victory. You don't have to encroach on them. You don't have to be angry. And so what does he say in verse 19? Be slow to, to wrath. Be slow to speak. Well, what? Swift to hear. Swift to hear. Slow to speak slow to wrath. Why? Because we don't have to fight for that. Why? Because the, the, the wrath of man, verse 20, worketh not the righteousness of God. And so the wrath of man is not reflecting the righteous position that Jesus has already placed you in. 
Then number three, self-righteousness or self-centeredness believes that our soul's satisfaction is up to us separate from God. If I don't make myself happy, no one will. You ever heard that before? Have you ever thought that? Man, if I'm not satisfied by myself, then I'm not going to be satisfied. i got to go seek my own satisfaction, right? Oh, there's so many songs out there about that. And, 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 and this is what James, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says. I love this. James says, he says in verse 21, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity. That's overflowing, right, of naughtiness and the wickedness in our hearts. Just lay aside. Just put it aside. And receive. So this is important because you can't lay something aside without picking something else back up. So lay aside that and receive with meekness the engrafted word. And and in agricultural terms, if you want to engraft something, if you want to blend two plants together, what do you do? You clip one off, you clip the other off, and then you put them together and you tape them together. That's literally how they do that. And the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's how it's done. That's like not rocket science at all. <laughs> but, but, but that's what he's talking about, engrafted word, that it's mingled, it's grown together with who you are. And God can only grow the Christian willing to uproot self-centered weeds in order to nurture truth-filled seeds. Now, let me just give you a, a visual here. Okay, I have some, some seeds that I've been putting in my backyard to grow some, some grass or keep some grass growing. And then I have some weeds that are also in my my backyard, okay? So here are the weeds, and here are the seeds. And if you're listening on the radio or in your car, uh, you can just look around you, and there's lots of weeds all over, right? I don't know why I had to do this, okay? Uh, but, but, but there's weeds in our life. These are, these, this, is the, this is the bitterness, the resentment. We're just not willing to let something go. So what do we do? We water that thought of resentment. We water what makes this. Someone made me angry, and I just can't stop thinking about it. Have you ever heard someone say, have you ever said that? I have. I just can't stop thinking about it. That was, that was so rude of them. How dare they, right? We water the seed of fear and doubt, and it starts to grow the plant of anxiety. We water these things, and it, we wonder why we have more weeds than, than spiritual fruit. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Well, wait a second. The seeds of truth are also in our heart. So how come we don't see more of that? Well, it's because it, it's what we're spending our time, it's what we're spending our time watering that makes the difference. Now, I have this little guy here to help me. This is Ted, okay? I want you to remember Ted because it, it, when we talk about watering, you're like, how do I water? Like, if I'm going to water the weeds or the seed, what, what is watering? Okay, well, Ted, this watering can, if you can see from in the, in the uh, I'll crouch down so you can see from the cars, okay? Ted stands for time, energy, and desire. The more time you spend watering the weeds of lust, the more time those weeds are, or more, more energy you put, the more those are going to grow. The more time and energy and desire that goes into the seeds of the truth, the more that starts to grow. So we wonder, well, how am I supposed to grow? Like, what am I supposed to do? And James says in a very practical way, listen, what are you going to water? Because whatever you water uh, tends to grow. And so I want to encourage you today to water the seeds of truth. 
Water the fact that God is the judge. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Water the fact that God knows your needs. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Water the fact that he cares for you, that you can cast your care upon him. And water the fact that he is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. We need to water those truths. Those are the truths that make a difference in our lives. And so here's a Here's a couple of action items under this point. I couldn't narrow it down to one, so I just picked two. Two action items for proactively defeating self-centeredness. And number one, we need to pour out gratitude for God's goodness. Uh, Don't let let Satan, don't let yourself just start believing that God's no longer good. How do we do this? We do this by confronting thoughts of doubt about who he is or what he's doing. You say, Dad, I don't know what God's doing. I've had so many people call me and say, what, 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 what could God possibly be doing during this time? Why, why, why isn't God helping? He promises to heal. Why isn't he healing? What's going on here? Why, why is there so much upheaval in the world? And I have to just be honest. I don't know what God's doing, but I know he's good, and I know he's doing something in this moment. Number two, here's another action item, and that is, Prior to the next moment of temptation, which might be in a few minutes, okay? So start writing. Prepare a list of verses to meditate and to pray and to read aloud. And I will tell you, this has been such a help to me. We've been studying about temptation on uh, the men's Bible study on Wednesdays. Women's Bible studies are on Thursdays. And, man, they've been, they've been studying uh, about Esther, but the men have been studying about temptation, all different types of temptation. And I will tell you, I am more aware of my temptation now than when we began. O.C. led us this last week. It was such a blessing, such a help to me. It's poured into me. Why? Because I realized if I'm not writing down my temptations, I don't realize they're there. And if I'm not, uh, I think someone said on the call something about, uh, something about making a, a, a note uh, about the, the, the truth compared to your temptation. Man, I'm telling you, I can't just battle this in my mind. I've got I've to make sure the truth is being watered. And, 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 and instead of temptation just impulsing me to action, I want to allow the Word of God to lead me in, in my actions. And by the way, this goes for your actions with others. Pour out gratitude to others. Do you know how many marriages are struggling right now because husbands and wives just aren't being grateful? Yeah, there's a lot of things to complain about. There's also a lot of things to be thankful for. And man, I'm telling you, I've been guilty of being ungrateful. And, and, and I just, you know, sometimes I, I, I need to go on a missions trip to remind myself, we are blessed people. Like God has done so much for us. And so we, we, we got to proactively defeat self-centeredness. Otherwise, it'll just take over. And before we know it, our life is filled with these weeds and and strangling the spiritual growth and, and, and causing defeat when really we could have victory. I want to show you the final thing today, and then we're finished. And that is, if we're going to have real victory in our lives, we must embrace the truth through action. We must embrace the truth through action. I want, I want you to see what it says in, in verse number 22 through 23. It says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So letter A, in action actually reveals deception. And we talked about this with the Truth Be Told series, but I want to I just say something. There are so many Christians, and I do not want our church to be lulled into this false sense of security that if I'm hearing the truth, and if I'm writing down my intentions to do the truth, 
but I'm never doing it. I'm still halfway there. That's not true. It's deception, the Bible says, that if we hear something that we know we should do and we don't do it, to us it's sin. We have to come back to being doers of the word. Now, how do we do this? If any man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that beholdeth his face in a natural glass or a mirror. I brought a mirror today. I want to show you this. Verse 24. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightly forgetteth the manner of man he was. I believe that James wrote this. We're almost certain that James wrote this before Peter wrote 2 Peter. Where in 2 Peter 1.9, he said, you, you, you forgot that you were purged from your sins. Well, what happens when you forget that you were purged from your sins? You, you lack the things you need to grow. You, you're spiritually blind. It actually says he that lacks these things is blind. And here's a key thought. The victory over spiritual blindness and forgetfulness is found in consistent responsiveness to God's word. If we're responsive that blindness will start to fade. If we're responsive, that forgetfulness, oh, man, I forgot. I, oh, man, I forgot. I've been, I've been meaning to say that. I've been meaning to be grateful, but I just forgot. And so here's, here's an action item to help us with that. Track the changes that you're making through this series as a result of the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Track these things. Just say, you know what? The next, the next 21 days, I'm going to track what changes I put into my life from reading James 1, from the woman's Bible study, from my, my daily devotions. I'm, I'm going to track these things. And I would encourage you to do that. And, and so you say, well, how do I do that? How do I know what to change? Well, let me read what Jesus or what James said, but they're very similar words to what Jesus said. Uh, but, but James 1, 26 and 27. I'm just going to read this verbatim out of the Scripture, and you see if there's anything maybe that you could implement, Okay. James is really practical, so let, let me just read this to you, and you let the Holy Spirit speak. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. But pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Let's just give an invitation right there. And that covers everything. How many of us are spotted by the world? How many of us need to, uh, to, to think of others, the fatherless, the helpless, other than ourselves? How many of us have not bridled our tongue this week? Me? Am I the only one? So my point is, we've got to come back to the fact that if we're not taking action, we're actually deceiving ourselves. And, and I'm really passionate about that because I don't want to live a life of deception. I want to live a life of victory. So here's the final sub-point. Inaction reveals deception, but identity, and I always come back to this. I feel like I'm, I'm beating the same drum, but I, I, you got to get this. This is what this passage is all about. Identity enables consistency. So many people say, I've done so well the first 100 days of quarantine, I was doing so well, but then, ah, uh, now I'm not consistent. It's so hard to be consistent during difficulty, right? Consistent workout routines. Are you you got to be kidding me. Uh, consistent health. 
What about spiritual things, being consistent in spiritual things? Well, how do we get consistent? We go back to our identity. And this is the key. Verse 18 talks about identity. Verse uh, 25 talks about identity. Uh, the first part, uh, verse, verses um, uh, 12 talks about our identity. So this chapter is just throwing out who we are, our true identity in Christ. But this is the key verse of the whole chapter. Verse 25. Whoso looketh into the law of liberty. Remember he's saying that's like a mirror. But he doesn't just say the law of liberty. He says the perfect law of liberty. And continueth therein, being not a forgetful hearer. That's not who your identity is. What's your identity? You are a doer. Everyone say doer. You're a doer. That's who you are. That's who you were made to be. You are a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Man, I want you to be blessed. I want to be blessed. And so the word perfect in perfect law of liberty is the same word used in verse 4, but it's also used seven times throughout the book of James. The word perfect is teleos, as I said. It means wholeness. It means fully integrated. But it means to reset a fracture for growth. You ever had a fractured bone that had to be reset, splinted? And God is taking the fractures caused by sin, and he's setting them up for greater growth. So here's the takeaway. You can enjoy real victory when your fractured heart, by the way, we all have fractured hearts. One of the saddest things as a pastor is when someone feels embarrassed to talk about their fractured heart. And through tears this week, I, I had to just tell people, you've got to be kidding me. If you knew how sinful all of our hearts were, we're living in a broken world, but that doesn't mean we have to stay broken. And so real victory says, yes, my heart has been fractured by sin, but my heart has also been made new through Christ. So the identity comes is what brings you into this moment of consistency of saying, no, I can. You say, how? How, how in the world can, can we mend our fractured heart? Well, we, our fractured heart is made whole through the mirror of our new identity. So here's what happens. I'm fractured. Okay, I always joke. You, 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 know, you can change a lot of things, but you can't change ugly, right? So I, so I look in the mirror, okay? And, and what I tend to do as, as, as just a, 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 a Christian who is trying to seek God's resources, the grace of God, oftentimes I'm, I'm, I'm looking in the wrong places for victory, for strength. And so what I find myself doing in order to mend my fractured heart is often, and we've talked about this before, but I often put someone else in the mirror. So I look in the mirror of God's word and I say, oh, they really need that. Like, oh my goodness, Sean, right there on the front row, he needs that. What I'm doing is I'm looking at the mirror, but I'm looking at him through the mirror. See, the reason why it says it's the perfect law of liberty, and David said this, I believe he was talking about when David said the law of the Lord is perfect concerning the soul. Testimonies of the Lord are pure concerning the righteous. More to be desired are they than gold, more much than fine gold. Listen, he's, he's speaking about the perfect law of liberty. The fact that we can look in that perfect law of liberty. 
and we don't have to think about others. We, we don't have to. But what we do is we look at that perfect law, and you're like, ah, look at that. I'm doing pretty good in that area. I'm doing pretty good in the other area. But, I mean, there's some things I would change. You ever looked in the mirror, and you're like, bah, there's some things I would change. None of the guys in here, okay? <laughs> but spiritually, that's so dangerous. Because when we look into the perfect law of liberty, it's not meant to look into the law and tell yourself how good you are. It's meant to look and see how good Jesus is in you. See, here's where we, we're, here's where we lose all of the battles that Jesus paid the price on the cross to win. Is we try to take credit for our good and we try to bear the weight of our sin. Jesus already bared the weight of your sin, but he also gets all the credit for what's good in your life. So I can't look in the mirror and say, ha ha, looks pretty good spiritually. I have to say, wow, do you, do you see that one area? That, that's Christ coming out in me. I can't, I'm undeserving. I can't believe that. Like I said something good. I did something good. That's Jesus in me. Do you see that? That's Jesus. That's my new identity. Do, do you see that? I, I, I see a new identity in me. And then when you look in you're like, oh, I'm so ashamed. Look at that. Man, I think other people might see that pride. I think other people might see that self-righteousness. Man, man, I, that, that's so embarrassing. I'm, I feel so ashamed. And when you come and you look and you say, wow, what do I do about that? You, you no longer have to have that shame that we talked about, that self-doubt that you talk about. Now you realize, oh, oh, but I'm seeing something else in the mirror of the new identity. I'm seeing the blood of Jesus Christ that's covering all of my sin and all of my transgression. You see, when we look into the mirror of God's word and when we look into the mirror and see our new identity, now it just says righteousness. You say, but I'm not always righteous. Right, that's what you do, but who you are is righteous. You say, I I'm, I'm not always grace-filled. Right, that's how sometimes you act, but now you are a new creature in Christ, filled with the grace of God. Do you get how this is? And so now I can live basically looking at the Word of God saying, that's who I am. And when, and when, when Satan or, or my own self-consciousness says, no, 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 that's not who you are, you can say, wait a second, what you're seeing in the mirror is not what I'm seeing in the mirror. Because I'm looking right past the dirt, I'm, and I'm able to cleanse myself because of the righteousness of God. And so the mirror takes us from being victims of our sin to being victors over our sin. From victims to victors, we can have victory through the death of Jesus Christ and through the identity we have in him. And one of the reasons I was so thankful for this passage was because this identity is what brings us. It's what gives us unity. The fact that it's Jesus Christ that is the reason for our uh, life and being, as Paul said. The fact that it's Jesus Christ that gets all the glory for everything good in my life. That's what brings us together. Do you know our church is built on that foundation? The foundation of who Jesus is? And it's that identity of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that really brings us together. Now, in just a moment, we're going to have uh, a baptism. 
first baptism at our at our property here. We're excited about it. And I'm I'm looking forward to it. But I don't want to miss before we pray, before we close out the service, I don't want to miss the fact that what we're about to see in baptism is representation of our new identity. The fact that when you when you became a child of Christ, you became a totally different person on the inside. You say, I didn't feel anything. Your, your inner nature changed. There's so many verses about that in the New Testament. And our real victory comes when we're honest about our weakness, meaning what doesn't reflect our new identity. So we're honest about that. We're proactively defeating our self-centeredness because our self-centeredness takes all the credit for the good and tries to cover all the bad. That's self-centeredness, right? And then we embrace the truth through action. We actually look in the mirror and we say, okay, this is what I'm going to change. This is what needs to change. Not outwardly, but inwardly. This is what needs to change. And so here's the final action item. I want to encourage all of us to choose to fast one thing we normally enjoy the next 21 days in order to see victory in an area where where we normally see defeat. Jesus said this this kind only comes by prayer and fasting. And so I'm encouraging our church. And by the way, I I, I told our our team, uh, some some of the members of our team over two weeks ago, I'm, I'm, I'm praying about leading our church in the month of August through prayer and fasting. We need revival. We need, we did this prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. We need this. So if you give up social media for a day, uh, the next 21 days, that's great. Uh, if, if you do something three times a week, whatever you do is better than, than nothing. But I will tell you something. I would encourage you uh, to, to really pray and fast and ask the Lord to show you in the mirror of his word what needs to change. And then make that change. Take action. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.